0: Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4 You have been severed from Christ You are seeking to be justified by law You have fallen from grace Now we've talked about those folks who have uh, Obeyed the gospel Who have come to God through Jesus Christ And now as in the case in the book of Galatians are either trying to influence people or they're being influenced by some other message other than the gospel or perhaps a perversion of the gospel that would uh, try to convince people that there is some other way to God or to enjoy a relationship with God as his child other than the pure gospel teaching. Okay, So you cannot be in the grace of God except through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So if there is no other way, but you are seeking another way, then you are out of that grace, okay? You're separated from it by your own choice, okay? And by your own willingness to be led astray by it. Okay? This is something that you have done to yourself. This is not an inadequacy or a withholding of mercy by God. Okay? You have, in effect, been offered the mercy of God and you have given it back. Okay? By not... Accepting and continue to hold fast to the terms of God's grace. All right? There are also, and we've talked about that at length, and that's really, that's a large part of what's going on here in the churches at Galatia. Okay? And this is all the result of false teaching. False teaching that comes from a sense of elitism, uh, Cultural elitism, social elitism, academic elitism. Um, this is all, all this false teaching is from pride and a sense of superiority. Okay? Where it comes from. But also, and the New Testament deals with this. The New Testament also deals with those who have obeyed the gospel and have been, and have come to God in His grace through Jesus Christ and have rejected the idea or the teaching of living a repentant life, of walking in the light, okay? Being led by God's Word and His Holy Spirit which leads to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit or the mortification of the flesh. The ongoing pursuit by the Christian to put aside, put away uh, the sinfulness that entangles us. Instead of recognizing sin in our lives because we are walking in the light and repenting of it, we, these are walking in such a way that, that sin comes in and then they are entangled by it. Okay? Okay? Notice I didn't say the commission of a sin. I'm talking about those who continually walk in the light, recognize sin in their lives, and repent of it. I'm talking about those who stop doing that and are entangled and hardened by sin to the point of of having no concern. Okay? This... And it's, again, it's not because of withholding of God's mercy. It is the result of the Christian no longer seeking that mercy. Does that make sense? That makes sense, doesn't it? That's precisely what Peter talks about in Second Peter chapter 2. Now when we first started talking about this, I said we were going to look at everything that... Uh, The New Testament in particular has to say about this. We've looked at what Paul has to say about it. We've spent some time looking at what the Hebrew writer has to say about it, and we will again. We're we're about to look at what the Apostle Peter has to say, and we're going to finish this discussion by looking at what Jesus himself has to say about it. Okay? All of these under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we know that what they're saying is true. If you would please look at 2 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 1. Hold Galatians chapter 5. But 2 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 1. This is is going to be a lengthy reading. But I find it's important that we... Keep everything that's what's being said here in context. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Already we see what the root of this is. Okay, Uh, the absence of sound doctrine. Who will secretly introduce destructive heresies? What's a heresy? It's 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 false, but it's 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 almost another level of it. it it's 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 false to, as to be scandalous. Okay. Um, it's, it's 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 more than being incorrect. Okay, somebody can be unwittingly be incorrect. Okay, but a heresy is is to promote something that is wrong, you know it's wrong, and it, it, it's, uh, it's scandalous, okay, because it causes scandal. <clears throat> they will uh, secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. This is precisely what's happening here in Galatians chapter 5. And it's not so much that these folks in the churches at Galatia are saying um, that that Christ is not who He says He is, but they're supplementing the gospel teaching, or they're trying to add to the gospel teaching something that is not there, okay? Something that is not in... Uh, something that's not congruent with the gospel teaching. Their greed will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. So what are they motivated by? Greed. Now greed could be money, obviously, but they could be greedy for what? Power. Status. Notoriety. Influence. There are people who are, are truly motivated and they're animated and they're illuminated by the idea of being able to influence other people. Okay? And there are people out there who are readily influenced. But really what the beauty of the gospel is, is that God asks us, He's not, he's not asking us to abandon our common sense. God does not ask us to abandon truth, logic, and common sense. He, God wants us to reclaim our critical thinking skills. Okay? In other words, God wants, to, wants us to recognize that what He has to say through His Son Jesus and through the Holy Spirit is true. And it brings to my mind what Peter says about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And I'm not suggesting that we put God to the test, but to listen to God, just as the Apostle John said, test all spirits and see if they are from God. What rings true? What is congruent with the person and personality of God? Does that make sense? When we're listening to what's being said. For if God did not... This is verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Was Noah Noah perfect? Noah wasn't perfect, but he was a preacher of what? Righteousness. Okay? He was a preacher of righteousness in a world of what? Untruth. Okay? So the whole point here is about holding up truth. Okay. I have a question. Uh, can we uphold truth even in our struggle with the flesh? Okay, We can if we're walking in the light of God. Okay, And, and listen to what I'm saying. If we walk in the light of God, in other words, if we're being influenced by the Holy Spirit and we're being led by the light of God's Word, when I find sin in my life, I'm led to do what? Repent, okay. And and the very function of repenting, having been guided by the light of God, His Word, and the Holy Spirit, is an example of God's truth. It, it's it's making. God's truth, it's a testimony to God's truth and my faith in His Word that He keeps His promises. That when I confess my sins, He is faithful and just and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Yes? <clears throat> but if I am hardened to sin, okay, if I am. Uh, entangled in sin as to not be concerned about what it's doing to me spiritually and my relationship with God, if I am not moved by God's Word, not walking in the light, or moved by the Holy Spirit to, to repentance, I'm in big trouble, aren't I? because I'm no longer in the pursuit of God's mercy, in the pursuit of God's grace. It's not that God would withhold it. I'm not seeking it. Verse 6, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter... And if he rescued righteous lot oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by by what he saw and heard, that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. In other words, based on people's choices, when people choose righteousness, God is able and He is willing and He is active and participates in that uh, maintaining that righteousness. God's going to help you. If you are seeking after righteousness, God is going to help you in that. But, if the opposite is true, if I'm not seeking that, notice what he says there about the folks there in Sodom and Gomorrah. To keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh and its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring... Self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a a reviling judgment against them before the Lord, but these, like unreasoning animals. Okay, and that's, that's an attitude that should be noted. Okay? Make the distinction in your mind between the Christian who is striving to walk in the light of God's Word and be led by the Holy Spirit and is in the process, of the the ongoing process of the mortification of the flesh to put aside the deeds of unrighteousness. Compare that attitude to the attitude of an unreasoning animal. The animal does not even consider his action. Okay? It's, It's what? The animal is operating off of what? Instinct. Okay, he's operating off an of instinct. But the Christian who is striving to be pleasing to God, he is considering those things that he encounters. Is this the right thing for me to do? Is this the wrong thing for me to do? Uh, h- here is this temptation, and I am I am feeling uh, I feel a a compulsion or an instinct to want to do this, should I do that? Okay? All of those things are taking place in the mind of the Christian that is striving to be pleasing to God. Okay? So you get it right every time? But thankfully, we have God's Word, the light of God's Word that illuminates those failures and causes us what under the influence of the Holy Spirit? To do what? Repent. Born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed. Reviling where they have no knowledge. Will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes. Reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. You see the distinction here? Uh, these folks are not being affected by their choices, their attitudes. They have no effect on their spirit, on their mind, on their hearts. Okay? There is no grief. There is no anguish. There is no sorrow for wrongdoing. They've become hardened to it. Having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey speaking with the voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Okay. Notice again the attitudes and the motivations for what they do. Whether it's for the, the desire and the uh, enjoyment and, the, and the, the fleshly unconstraint of sinfulness, or they're motivated by nothing but greed and a desire to uh, have influence and power and notoriety, okay? These things can be very strong in the human mind and heart. For some reason, there is an attitude that wants to have power over other people. To have power over their minds, to have power over their spirit and their heart and, and to have power over the choices that they make. And and, and in a way that I guess, and I, this is just my human mind, but in a way that's more terrifying than someone who just is being uh, carried away by the desires of, of of sin. Not that it's not sin, but it's you see what I'm saying? It's what kind of person? And this is precisely what Paul's dealing with here in Galatians chapter five, where these folks are being influenced by another group of people who have no other concern except to be in charge, okay, um, or to uh, be the guru, or to uh, have, have that have that influence. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, this is Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Whether that's that whether that's sin, whether that's the desire to uh, a, a corrupt spirit and a corrupt mind that wants to have power and influence over somebody else. For after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the, uh, <coughs> excuse me. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome the last date has become worse for them than the first. Because for no other reason except that they have come to know the Lord and have a true knowledge of the Lord and then reject it. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Now I've had both pigs and dogs, and that is true. You see a dog eating its own vomit, and you find that repulsive, don't you? The dog doesn't. You can have a show pig and raise it for months and clip it and wash it and take care of it and clean the pens, shovel the poop, and the first thing they're going to do once you get them all clean is they're going to go down there and poop and then they're going to lay down in it and walk around. Because they don't think anything about it. Now, if you have that same mentality as a human being... You don't find your actions repulsive. And that's a scary place to be in. Contrast that to someone who is trying to walk in the light of God and be led by the Holy Spirit and they find themselves behavior that repulses them. They are moved to what? repentance. That's by design. That's by, that's according to the power of God. That's the power of God at work in your life. Okay? I I find things in myself that I find difficult to keep a lid on. Okay? And when I let go, later on, I'm repulsed by it. I hate that about myself. Okay? I'm discouraged because I allowed myself to think that way or to act that way. But hopefully, ultimately, the Holy Spirit, with the power of God's Word, should lead me to repent of that and recognize it for what it is. That's the whole distinction to be made is the people that Peter is talking about here are not recognizing it. Okay. They are not repulsed by their own behavior. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Now, as a final part of this, of this studying this part, again going uh, back to Galatians chapter 5 where he's talking about being severed from Christ. I would finally like to kind of end this part of the study by looking at what Jesus has to say about some of these things. Because he deals with this very issue himself. In John, the book of John, we're going to look at several passages from the book of John. But John chapter 5, starting in verse 30, Uh, this particular passage of scripture, Jesus is talking um, to some folks who would, uh, would not believe what he said about himself, okay? Coincidentally, this is, this is the same group of people or the same uh, type of people who would be causing trouble here in the, Gal- uh, the Galatian churches, okay? Okay? John chapter 5, starting in verse 30. I can do nothing on my own initiative. This is Jesus saying this. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Now contrast that with the attitude of the folks that we've been talking about. People who would go in and try to influence others, who would have, uh, uh, would have power over them to cause them to do their bidding, follow their teaching, uh, influence them in a way that was not in accordance with God's Word. Contrast that attitude with the attitude of Jesus here. What's Jesus' attitude about teaching? Is he, is he teaching solely for the, uh, the resultant uh, behavior of having somebody under your control? He wants you to he wants you to be led by him, but he's motivated by something else. Love for the follower, number one, because he knows that he's going to lead them in the right way. He's going to lead them in the way that's good for them. And second of all, the attitude that he has about the teaching. What does he say? I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge and my judgment is is just because I do not do what? I do not seek my own will. I'm not motivated by uh, my own Uh, ambition, I'm not motivated by by the, the power of influence or the cult of personality, okay? Both of which are rampant in the religious world, okay? He says, I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone testify about myself... My testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. So Jesus is motivated by what? You having the right relationship with God the Father. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me. And that would also include the miraculous things that Jesus did in the presence of of many witnesses. Because the miraculous signs, the miraculous wonders were testimony to what? God's full measure of His Spirit and power dwelling in the man, Jesus Christ. Okay? And to observe this, to witness this, is to receive the testimony of that knowledge. Okay? And the Father who sent me, He has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who sent me. Now, who is he speaking to? At this point, he's speaking to a bunch of Hebrews. Not only that, he's speaking to folks in the places of religious leadership, cultural leadership, and by extension, the power and the prominence and the influence that goes along with them. These are people who represent themselves as what? the very seat of, of all that you, you would or you should aspire to be, in other words. okay. If, if you're living in that day of time uh, and you're uh, paying attention to what's going on. <coughs> but Jesus says, you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who sent me. <coughs> Listen very carefully to what he says here in verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. So that very thing that you are uh, rejoicing in your knowledge of, you're missing the point. You're reading it, but you're not getting it. Okay? Has the second bell already rang? Okay, well, right I didn't hear All right, right. We're, we're going to pick up there next time looking at some things that Jesus says.